0: Thank you for joining us in our study of Hebrews chapter 7. The writer of Hebrews chapter 7 has been telling us that God took an oath. He swore, and he says he will not change his mind, that Jesus the Christ is a priest forever. And he tells us in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 7 that this makes Jesus the surety or the guarantee of a better covenant. Now taking an oath establishes the certainty of what God is attempting to prove. The oath did not make God more dependable because his word alone is totally trustworthy. The oath is for our sake. It causes us to appreciate what is critical and supreme in the mind of God. It helps us to honor Jesus' emphatic declaration, for example, that no one comes to the Father except by him. The oath of God confirms that he is the only way to God because he's the only priest that God has appointed forever. And no other priest in his order exists. Jesus has no rivals. Has God changed his mind or Might he change his mind? This verse says he will not change his mind. And Christ is a priest forever. Now, he will be God's only priest throughout the expanse of time. If life continues for another two or three or four billion years, there will never be another priest. There will never be another way to God. This one is a forever priest. Now, this is an absolute truth. The declaration of God is nowhere in Scripture more emphatic than it is here. This is the strongest declaration in all revelation. God has sworn he won't change his mind. You can trust him when you trust in Christ. Now, something that is absolute means it's complete and that it's free from imperfection that it's not mixed with anything else, not compared with anything else, and it's free from reservations. That means it's unqualified. God will do what he said he will do. Now, that's security for the believer. Whenever people think about the promises of God and how overwhelming they are, For example, God promises eternal life to whoever believes in him and does nothing else. They say, how can it be that easy? That sounds too simple. Are you sure there is no other requirement? Well, that's the point the writer is trying to make here in Hebrews chapter 6 and 7. In chapter 6, God swore to Abraham, and in chapter 7, he tells that he swore to make Christ a priest forever. But people say, what if God changes his mind? He can't. In verse 21 it says, the Lord will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. But that's the writer saying that someone will say. True. But the writer of this epistle is quoting the prophet David in Psalm 110 verse 4, who himself wrote, that the Lord who took that oath will not change his mind. And David was speaking by the Spirit of God. Now, much of this teaching about the priesthood of Jesus being superior to the Old Testament priests may not seem too important to you who are Gentiles, but it was to the Hebrew Christians. After reading this epistle, They'll be able to see a new kind of a Jesus. He will become to them a complete Savior and priest, superior to everyone in the Old Testament. Yes, they'll see Jesus as greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than the angels, and greater than the priests in the Aaronic priesthood. This epistle does have importance to Gentiles, too, for we are learning that God has promised to be faithful to his word. He swore to Abraham that God would keep his covenant, and Hebrews chapter 6 tells you this was written to show the heirs of promise, and we are heirs, the unchangeableness of his purpose. So God took an oath. Now, how sure can we be of our salvation? On what does it depend? I ask that because I meet so many persons who call themselves Christians, but who think salvation depends on how well they live or perform. The Bible asks men to believe God. That's what Abraham did. And Jesus, in John 5:24 asked men to believe God. Listen to it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. John in his first epistle, 1 John 5:10 through 12 said, And this is the record, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written unto you, that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have life. In connection with Hebrews 7.23, I want to read from the Old Testament about the death of the first high priest, Aaron. Aaron. Now, 7.23 tells us the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. And in Numbers, chapter 20, beginning with verse 23, it says, At Mount Hor, near the border of Edom, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I give the Israelites, because both of you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Get Aaron and his son Eliezer, and take them up to Mount Hor. Remove Aaron's garments, and put them on his son Eleazar, for Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will die there. Moses did as the Lord commanded. They went up Mount Hor in the sight of the whole community. Moses removed Aaron's garments and put them on his son. And Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Now, this is just an example. The first priest appointed by God under the law of Moses, which was to continue for 1,400 years, died. And he was succeeded by his son. But his son died. And he was succeeded by his son. Death discontinued the priesthood. That's why there had to be so many of them. But the point the writer wants to make, and he does it in the next verse, he's talking about Jesus, who's the surety or the guarantee of a better covenant, he said, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. The consequence of Jesus Christ, our high priest, living forever is this. He is able to save forever. And that's what we have in the next verse, verse 25. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. It does not say that he was able to save. It says he is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him. Now notice, the writer wants these Hebrews to understand. They don't just draw near to Jesus, but they draw near to God. The one Jesus exalted, God the Father. But the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. The expression, able to save, is in the present tense. Jesus didn't just save people in the first century, those who saw him. This present tense means continual. His blood keeps on washing away our sins, and it will be that way a thousand years from now, if life continues. When men believe in him, their sins will be washed away. If we had to see Jesus in order to be saved, that would be very discouraging, because not many could be saved. Now, in the Old Testament, when God sent judgment down upon the children of Israel for their murmuring, he gave them something to look at, and they were healed from their snake bite. You read about that in Numbers chapter 21, and he said, "...whoever looks at the serpent on the pole will live." But when Jesus took that same story about looking at something, he said, So shall the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever looks at him, no, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And he intended that salvation would be continual, all through the ages. We don't have to see Jesus. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, also written here in verse 25 is the extent of salvation. Verse 25 says he is able for all time. That's forever. In the King James Version, we have uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost. It's both eternal and it's complete salvation. Never in a million years can anything undo what Christ by his sacrifice has already done. It has been done for all time. Never will there be a sin problem that was not paid for by Christ, the Son of God. Never will his sacrifice wear out. It is settled in heaven forever because God took an oath on the eternal priesthood of the Son of God. And because he saves completely and forever by offering himself as a sacrifice There can be no additional sacrifice that will help men to God. Now, that's a relief, but it also may be a problem to some people who are doing things in order to win God's approval. They don't accept Christ's sacrifice as sufficient. That's their problem. They don't believe when a man refuses Christ's sacrifice or refuses to consider that it is complete and nothing more is needed, he is in real trouble. Because Hebrews 10.26 says that kind of rejection rules out any other sacrifice for sins. We must believe that Jesus is the complete and final and forever sacrifice for all sin for all men for all time. Everybody needs salvation. That's our priority need. Now, what does Jesus Christ do about this? He saves completely. How many? All those who draw near to God through him. Verse 25 also tells us of the need for a mediator who is Christ. No one can draw near to God except through the one appointed by God. Before we leave the air, I want to tell you about a short course on cassette tapes which has given hundreds of people insight into critical matters in the Bible. It's called Understanding the New Testament. And for many years it was taught on the Louisiana State University campus. All this biblical understanding is now available for your study at home. Here are some of the topics explored in that set of tapes. Why Jesus came. Three major themes of the Bible, major biblical divisions, the transition from Judaism to Christianity, two great words of the Bible, salvation in the Old and the New Testaments, the meaning of kingdom of heaven, and much more. These ten cassettes will change the way you interpret the Bible. Write for our teaching tape brochure, which describes this and other short courses on cassette tape. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.